Anchored in Reaching is for curious people who want to explore the story that God is writing in history and who are looking for their own place in that story to find meaning and vibrancy in their life and vocation. I'm Kevin Minoya. Join me each week as Susanna Fleming and I probe the edges of faith and living, always in relation to God who knows you best. For some, it'll be an opportunity to anchor yourself more securely in your faith. For others, it'll be motivation to reach out to engage more broadly. In either case, these conversations should encourage, enlighten, and challenge you. Welcome everyone to Anchored and Reaching. I'm Susanna Fleming and I'm here with Dr. Kevin Minoya. Hey everybody. And we're excited to continue our conversation today on salvation. We've already recorded two episodes on this topic, and we want to encourage you to go back and listen to those because it'll be helpful um, just to have the full context of the conversation. But today we're going to run over some terminology, and I am a language girl. I love how language helps us understand things, so today is a fun conversation for me. Kevin, you want to go ahead? So it's great that we get to talk a little bit about, uh, a little more actually, about what is salvation. We've spent some time talking about the story of God. We've talked about the blue dot continuum, trying to frame this whole idea of salvation as a much more dynamic understanding of God with us, God engaging us, and much more relational than propositional. And we'll talk about that, or we already have talked about that in the, in the podcast before. And by the way, if you want to go back and visit some of those, uh, may I encourage you to go back to the website, uh, or you could email us, podcast at anchoredandreaching.com, and there's a bunch of stuff in the show notes. I hope you take advantage of all this. But the idea here is to frame salvation as much more than a set of propositions and doctrines to which you give intellectual and mental assent. And it's much more than simply uh, constraining it to the vocabulary and terms, which then can become like a straitjacket to us if we're not careful. So the idea is that salvation really is the story of God engaging with humanity to restore the image of God in all of us, and how God did that throughout history, and what that means for us then reaching other people. At the same time, because we have observed how God deals with us, and because we have experienced God in our own relationship with God, it's natural for humanity to try to put into words those experiences experiences and those things that we have seen and we think about. That's just a natural human expression. So we experience something and we put words to it. You know, Ezekiel experienced uh, the, the wheel in the wheel and he put words to it. He, he experienced a vision. John, the visionizer, the revelator, he saw a vision and he put words to it. Well, we do that too. So when we experience this restoring work of God in us, we get together and we talk about it. And when we talk about it over coffee, we we reduce it to words that we can all exchange with some level of understanding that we each understand what the other is saying. So rather than revisit the whole story again, we, we, we assign labels to it and we call those labels doctrine and we put words on those doctrines and then they carry meaning in and of themselves. So a word then becomes latent with a lot of baggage and a lot of freight and a lot of meaning. 
And as we have done that over centuries, well, actually over millennia, as God has worked with humanity to restore us back into the image of God, we have then put words to that, and we call those words then doctrine. And some of the words that we've assigned to this story of salvation, this journey of salvation, include some that are really important. And, and, and even as we talk, as Suzanne and I talk here on this podcast, you may say, well, I haven't heard any words like justification. What about repentance? What about regeneration? What about confession? What about adoption? What about sanctification? Well, yeah, those are all part of salvation. Now, some of you may be thinking that those aren't salvation. Those There is salvation, and then there's regeneration, and then there's adoption, and then there's sanctification. Well, no. What we're trying to say to you is that salvation is all of those things. <clears throat> It is the story of God redeeming us and restoring us. And all of the words I'm about to share with you are part of the larger idea of salvation. We have, min- we have reduced salvation to one of those words, that's a very important one, but we've reduced it to a minimalistic term that has come to be read as getting saved, or signing on the dotted line, or getting a ticket to heaven, or boycotting hell. Well, that's one part of salvation, but it's not the whole thing. So let me give you these words. So salvation, the story of God restoring the image of God in us, really includes confession. I see my inadequacies. I confess that I'm inadequate. I confess that I'm not complete in myself. I realize that that I am insufficient. Now, confession doesn't mean just that you committed a sin and you go over to somebody that you offended and or you hit and you say, I'm sorry. No, confession means I recognize my inadequacy. Now, if that happens to be that you hit somebody over the head with a ball-peen hammer, you better go apologize, and you better confess. Yeah, I did that. I shouldn't have done it. Or you lied to someone, you better go tell them, I lied to you, I wasn't faithful to you, or whatever it is. But confession generally means acknowledgement of our inadequacies. When we acknowledge our inadequacies in confession... It usually means that because the Spirit of God is preveniently, that means is always working on us, uh, God is wooing us, God is tugging us closer to himself and hopes that we will respond. But when we confess, usually then that acknowledgement of our inadequacy and confession means that we are going to change where we're pointed or repent, repentance. Repentance just means changing the lane or changing the direction. There are a lot of kinds of repentance here. I mean, when I'm driving down the freeway and headed to a destination that's west and I realize I forgot my wallet, I get off the freeway, I reverse my course, I do a 180 and I go back to my house to pick up my wallet. That's repenting of going west and turning east. But when I'm on the freeway doing 80, well, more like 65 miles an hour, um, then I'm coming up behind an 18-wheeler really fast in the same lane. I got a decision to make. I can either crash into the back of that truck, or I can repent of lane number two and move into lane number one to go around that truck. 
or I can slide into a different light. Well, that's equally a repentance. So we are constantly living a life of repentance because we're changing our lives in order to allow ourselves to move more fully into the vision of God for us. So repentance means change. And then once that repentance and we're changing the direction to which we're pointed, we're no longer going west, we're going east. We're no longer in lane number two, we're in lane number three. Now, all of a sudden, we appear before the court of heaven spiritually. And another word then that I give you is justification. And we stand before the judge, and thankfully here, we have an advocate, and that person is Jesus. And the judge says, hey, I see what you did, I see your life, I see the condition of your life, I see the predisposition of your life, I see your acts of sins and your nature of sin— And because of what Jesus has done, the gavel comes down and says, you are justified. Not because you asked for it, not because you paid for it, not because you did anything about it, but because you're putting your faith in Jesus Christ for your justification. This is the singular one of these terms that is an aorist, A-O-R-I-S-T, that is a punctiliar. It's a one moment in time. It is the gavel comes down, it's done, and it's behind you. All the rest are dynamic and continuous. This one is a single point in time. And this is the one that we most often confuse with salvation. We often reduce salvation to justification. The gavel comes down, you're forgiven, you stand uh, righteous, and you are saved. I got saved. But it's such a limiting part of salvation, folks. It is so limiting. There's so much more to salvation than just getting saved or getting a ticket to heaven. Because then we move on into things that are more dynamic even still. Because after that happens, then new life starts. We call that regeneration. Life is being regenerated. Notice the R-E on the front of that word. Not generation, but regeneration. In other words, there was life. It died, we became blinded, we became darkened, and now because of what Jesus has done and what we have what we have allowed Jesus to do, we put our faith in Jesus, now all of a sudden new life comes back, is beginning to be restored. It's, it's like a little sprig coming out of a seed, little tender shoot coming up. Matter of fact, the prophets talk about that. And then there's new life. And then we step into a process that we call learning how to live in the family. Adoption. We are adopted. We are engrafted, the Bible says, into the family of God. See, it's one thing to be adopted into a family. You can sign papers and you can have the gavel come down and the judge can say you're justified. The judge can say you your adoption papers are now done, but it's quite another to learn how to live in that family. That takes time. That takes nurture. That takes uh, rubbing shoulders with other family members and learning the family values. That is adoption. And we are becoming kingdom citizens and learning how to live in the family of God through mutuality with one another, you see. So there is adoption. And then there's sanctification that a lot of people get confused about. Sanctification is not living a perfect life, a sinlessly perfect life. Nobody ever intended for that to be the case. Sanctification simply means we are being transformed into the likeness of Christ so that we may be holy as God is holy. It is a journey of becoming like Jesus. So you see, each of these words has substance to them. And we have put these words into our vocabulary to represent the dynamic work of God, not to become stilted straitjackets that we have to somehow argue about, 
but because they represent the fundamental story of God restoring God's image in us. There's fullness here. So that's why we started with salvation is the story of God. Salvation motivates us in the blue dot continuum because I didn't want us to somehow start with all of the terms that we've grown accustomed to and let them become distractors to the fullness of what God does in relationship to us when he restores us into back into God's own ideal vision for us. So that's a ton. That's a truckload of stuff, Susanna. And I have no idea how we're going to move forward in talking about this, but there's a ton of stuff here. Let's see what we can do. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of directions we could go. Um, I want to begin by reiterating those terms. So we have confession, repentance, justification, regeneration, adoption, sanctification. I know you've heard those a few different times now, but it'd be maybe helpful for you if you really do want to capture this language to be able to understand how to talk about this. You could write those terms down. You're going to hear these terms thrown around a lot in theological circles. As Kevin already said, the point is that you understand that salvation is our story with God and the story of God pursuing humanity. Um, And it's much more than a moment, but these words do give us language to kind of unpack salvation a little bit in these different phases. My question to you, Kevin, I was thinking about this as you were sharing, there is kind of a natural order to these things, right? Like, for example, there needs to be a level of of confession and repentance before the justification moment. But at the same time, um, there are certain things that we do throughout our lives, like you said, like repentance and sanctification. I'm wondering if this is a strict order, like, yeah. does does it have to occur in this order? Can um, justification happen earlier, for example? Or I know that that might be getting into the weeds a little bit, but it'd be helpful for me. No, I think that's a really good question, Susanna. I mean, I'd love to know what you think about that. Um, but I, I guess I would, I would say, yeah, absolutely, the order is something that is that is not rigid. Shall I say, I, I, you know, I mean, it's like any relationship, it's very dynamic. And often these things are a lot more interactive and integrated and permeable than they sound when we write them in a textbook on theology, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah, that's kind of the direction my mind was headed because as I was listening to you teach on this and just envisioning what listeners might be thinking I don't know if it is as cut and dry as these specific moments on a timeline. A lot of times I think um, maybe you have a moment where you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, which would technically be justification, but maybe um, there are certain parts of your life that you haven't walked into full repentance in, right? And so in that case, um, easily repentance could come later on down the road. I know I said in the beginning there's a natural order, but I think that natural order is just how we try to describe what, you know, a journey might be like, a lot of these things are more convoluted. And um, as I look over this list, like regeneration and justification might start to happen at the same time. Like you hear of people who have a radical, radical moment of justification of accepting Jesus. And immediately, like my dad, he stopped smoking cigarettes right away. That's a miracle because he was addicted for 20 years. Hmm. That was a moment of regeneration in his life. But of course, regeneration continued to happen. So I guess maybe... um, now, as I'm thinking out loud and, and forming my opinion about this, I want to help the audience understand that this is not a cut and dry, step-by-step situation, that these are all things that should happen in the life of 
someone who's experiencing salvation, but don't get too caught up in the order in which they happen. Yeah, that's a really good point, Susanna. I like that a lot. And frankly, the same kind of debate can be had around the term sanctification. I mean, there's huge debates over, is it is it a process? Is it a crisis? Does it happen once and suddenly you're sanctified and, and, and now you can live the way you want because you're sanctified? which then leads to petrification, by the way, um, save sanctified and petrified, uh, uh, little bad humor there. Sorry <laughs> about that. Um, but these things really do, they live in a dynamic mixture throughout life because when we place our faith in Jesus Christ for our salvation, that's the one act, right? We put our faith in Jesus Christ for our salvation. We suddenly learn how to live a life of repentance, we live a life of confession. We live a life that is being renewed every day. We live a life that is being adopted more and more. As we learn about ourselves, more and more we surrender to, the, to Christ. And we live a life that is being sanctified. Does that mean that there aren't moments of crisis in any of those? Of course there are moments of crisis. It's just like any relationship. But, but I think you're absolutely right. When we volitionally put our faith in Jesus, now our life begins to characterize all of these things. And they continue. It's not a, okay, I check the box on one, then I go to two, and then three, and then four, and then five, right? Uh, no, that is the problem with putting these words even into people's thinking is that somehow they're going to say, okay, I did this. Now I need to do that. And then it becomes a formula and, and, and that can become problematic. Mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah. And that moment of justification, as you already said, is the moment that we often equate with getting saved. And we're not saying that that moment of justification does not exist. It absolutely right. does, no. but it is encompassed and surrounded by a much more fuller picture of salvation. Um, Kevin, my, my question to you is most of these things on this list, they are happening throughout the course of a person's life, right? Sanctification is continuous. Confession is continuous. Justification is one moment, correct? So I, as I'm anticipating maybe listeners' questions, um, does justification happen more than once? And I already have an answer in my head. I already know, but I think we should. I want to know what your answer is. I want to know what your answer is. I mean, I would say. Am no. I putting you on the spot? No, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't I happen think, more than once. I would say no. Yeah, you can put me on the spot. Um, I, I no, of course. Like I mean, like the moment that you accept Jesus's gift. I mean, it's a gift, and so, um, and He died on the cross, like rose from the dead. Justification is accessible. I kind of it kind of gets into the once saved always saved debate saved debate I suppose yeah, yeah it does um, which yeah but, which but, is true. but yeah. I'll add one more thought to it because yeah. I I remember um, picturing repentance as you know that turning toward so turning away from sin turning toward Jesus and walking in that direction I think it would take somebody completely turning in the other direction I suppose to. Uh, this is where the the debate gets complicated, and sure I think it it's worth talking about here. Isn't it fun? Isn't it's it fun. great <laughs> that we get to talk about this kind of stuff? And here's the deal. You know, um, I guess I would say anybody who is, well, I better be careful about saying that. I, I guess I would say I love it when there's a level of ambiguity. Because what mm -hmm. ambiguity does is it introduces the reality that this is not our doctrine. This is not ours to write. This belongs to God. And God right. is so far beyond us that although we can see through a glass darkly now, 
we get a general idea, we're not going to have a full picture of what this is all about. So, And that's okay. I mean, and that's totally okay. You know, we live in this dynamic being restored. And, and, and frankly, I, I like the phrase that some church traditions have that, that when they say it's not about accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's not about getting saved, it's about putting your faith in Jesus for your salvation. So what that means is that there is a wholeness that God is inviting me into. That what That's what salvation means. It is the beginning to become and be restored in what God intended for me to be. In order for me to do that, I can do it in my own strength, and I can learn all the words, and I can learn all the doctrines, and I can learn all the propositions, and I can, and I can apply them and say that I do that, but the agency of salvation in that case is me. What I prefer mm-hmm. to say is... I am putting my faith in Jesus for my salvation. The agency no longer is me. The agency is Jesus. And and those things are being worked out in my life then as I am walking with faith in Jesus for my salvation. So rather than getting saved, now I need to go on and learn how to be a disciple and I need to go on and learn how to be all the things that we were trying to do. I say... I just throw up my hands and say, I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ for my salvation, and I want to be a friend of Jesus in coming close to God. Right. So that's a nice balance between, you know, our understanding as as people who believe in, in free will and volition and choice, but but the the free will and the choice lends itself to a life that is surrendered to receiving the salvation that Jesus has to offer. And so it, it really, I love that because it also, you know, puts it back on Jesus through whom we wouldn't be saved if it weren't for him, right? So through whom we are saved. Um, you still didn't answer the question, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wonder, and, and I'm going to think out loud here, uh, I think I've been raised and been taught that salvate, that justification is, I think, your question, does it happen more than once? Um, I've been taught that, no, it happens once and everything else is dynamic. But... Mm-hmm. You know, even as you ask that question, I'm thinking out loud here, forgive me, stream of consciousness, um, does it matter? Is there really um, is there really a point to that? Or is it that I, if in fact justification is placing my faith in Jesus for my salvation, is that not a condition of my life that I live with daily? And as I grow and I learn more about myself, I need for my life to be dependent on Jesus tomorrow as it is today, and today as it was yesterday. And so each day I live that day in in dependence upon Jesus for my salvation. So to the extent that justification is being justified before the judge of the earth, you know, um, you know, the, the, the judge of the earth and Jesus is my advocate, I am daily living in submission in and dependence of that advocacy of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good what point. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, think, I think that um, we're daily living in the reality of justification. I, yes. I like where you were going with that. And he is our advocate now, tomorrow. And will continue to be 
until glorification, right? I mean, and even yes. even then, right? He is. Uh, I, I think. So, can I, I ask you, you know, a quick question? Sure. <laughs> do you remember the day and time when you quote unquote got saved? I do. Do you? Not everybody I do. can. Right. Yes, and I know that that's true, and and I think it's so important that we recognize that some people don't have that crazy salvation moment where they're like, it was this moment, this time. Right. Right. Some people feel as though they've grown into their salvation, which is, again, Mm -hmm. when we reduce salvation to merely justification, there may be a date, place, and time that you can put on that act of justification. But salvation is that journey of being restored that goes on for a lifetime. So. You know, we've got to make, we got to, you know, it doesn't detract from somebody who says, you know, I put my faith in Jesus for my salvation at my kitchen table with my mother who read John 3.16 to me, or at the altar when I kneeled down in response to the evangelist call. There's nothing wrong with that at all. So please, Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody to think that that's bad. No, but there's this understanding of this constancy of depending on Jesus. Absolutely. And I I think that's an important point as well that, you know, because all of these things are happening throughout our lives, confession, repentance, sanctification, if you don't have, if you're listening and you don't have a moment that you can point to of when you were quote unquote justified, if you are living a life that is before Jesus receiving his salvation, it's fine. Like you, you don't need to be afraid that you are not justified before God. If you're putting your faith in Jesus, even if you didn't pray the prayer or, you know, have that moment. And if you prayed the prayer 10 years ago, but you're in a season right now where you're feeling distant from God and you're struggling, and there's a lot of confession that needs to happen, a lot of sanctification that needs to happen. I mean, that's an ongoing journey with God and there doesn't need to be fear there either. Right. So like, I hope what you guys are hearing is that this is dynamic, it's relational, it is um, rich and beautiful and much bigger than one moment. It's a lifetime of moments before God. And he's writing your story, which is going to be different than mine. I love that verse. Um, he's the author and the finisher of our faith, right? And and there's another one. He who began a good work in you is faithful to see it to completion. And that is something I believe for each of us. And, and this whole salvation journey is part of that process. So... Well, it is the process, actually. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, yes and amen. So, yeah, I know we might have opened up some questions more than we answered, but that's actually a good thing. Continue to, to study this, to learn about it. Um, re-listen to these and, and write down questions and go ahead and email us at, um, oh, goodness, I'm blanking on our email, Anchored and Reaching po- Podcast. Podcast <laughs> at anchoredandreaching.com, I think. Isn't that what yes. it is? I think That's so. That's right, yeah. Kevin. Good job. <laughs> I, it's supposed to be my <laughs> job to know it, but podcast at anchoredandreaching.com. Go ahead and shoot us emails with questions. And... Um, yeah, I think we should kind of close by praying, actually, if that's cool. I think I that's a great idea. everyone out there. God, um, everything that we we do and we say, we we ultimately want it to point back to you and you are amazing. You have written, written this story. Um, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the salvation and for friendship with Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who points us to Jesus, who continues to work out salvation within us. I pray for everyone listening that these words would um, cause them to really look at you with wonder and also to feel closer to you as they 
begin to understand or understand more deeply how you're working in their lives. Um, I pray that there would be freedom as they hear these words, that they would um, feel free and encouraged to just, uh, yeah, learn more about what you're doing in their lives. And we love you and pray blessing over everyone listening in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Let me encourage you that who you are is more important than what you do. The lure of defining yourself by your performance is stronger than you might think. So join me in upcoming weeks as we explore the whole leader God created you to be.